0: good news is your dates are here.
1: What's the bad news?
0: They're dead. Ah. Ah. See, a United States astro-robot becomes a creature of death. And oh. these... We have come here to this planet for... One purpose
1: only, to acquire breeding stuff to repopulate our planet.
0: Who breaks the law! Shall be punished! Back to the house of pain! Back to the house of pain!
2: Hello everyone and welcome to Bots, Bugs and Babes. The B-Movie Podcast, from class, the cultural, the cheese in between. The movies are Darren Entertainment is grade A. And
1: I am your host, Mr. Jason Giaconetti. And I'm joined again by my dad, Mr. Al Giaconetti. Good morning, Jay. Today we've got a movie from the 50s. No, it's not a big giant bug movie. It's not Godzilla. We're going the other way for the incredible shrinking man.
2: And we'll get to it right after this.
0: Dawson Wells speaking. I just saw the impossible happen before my astounded eyes. I saw a man grow smaller and smaller, day by day. I saw the loneliest and most frightened creature on earth living a nightmare in a world of giants. The Incredible Shrinking Man. The Incredible incredible, incredible, Shrinking shrinking, shrinking, man. Man.
2: The Incredible Shrinking Man was released in New York City on February 22nd, 1957, Los Angeles May 27, 1957, and across the U.S. April 29, 1957, with an 81-minute running time. Your director is none other than Jack Arnold. Yes, that Jack Arnold who brought you Creature from Black Lagoon. It came from outer space, Tarantula. Uh, you know, so that's why there's a lot of science in this because that's he's all about science in his movies. Um, your producer was Albert uh, Zugsmith. Um, and your screenplay uh, is credited. Well, it's it's Richard Matheson. Uh, Richard Matheson wrote the book. The well, the short story technically, I guess, is novella. The Incredible Shrinking Man. The Shrinking Man. Um, and then Richard Allen Simmons is also giving a screenplay uh, credit for uh, working with Richard Matheson. Now, Richard Matheson, of course, uh, most you will know uh, from I Am Legend, which is probably his most famous work. Now, um, Matheson is one of my favorite uh, authors of all time. He passed away back in uh, June of 2013. Um, and, uh, people will know him from that, but a lot of you actually unknowingly know him from the twilight zone because along with Rod Serling and Beaumont and guys like that, he was one of the main writers on a lot of the twilight zone episodes. And the nice part is that they had Richard Matheson write the screenplay. And this is when he was starting to break into the screenplay business. And he actually did a lot of that too, especially for his own works. So,
1: yeah. And the, the other, other, uh, operative here is, the optical effects were done by Roswell Hoffman and Everett Broussard, and when you see the movie, uh, this is their work. Here is spectacular, mm-hmm. and it and it really it really lends so much to the movie. Let's say compared to the opticals of uh, uh, the Amazing Colossal Man, where where he's he's almost like a shadow on the screen, you can see right through him. These are done really well.
2: Yeah, and then so um, and of course this is a Universal International picture. Um, distributed by Universal, of course, um, and your main star is Grant Williams. Now, Grant Williams um, is probably most known for this. This is probably his yep. most well-known part ever. He did a lot of theater and some like of that. He actually was a staff sergeant in uh, the Korean War, uh, and then and he served from forty-eight to fifty-two there. So, if you think about it, this is you know fifty-seven. So he had served when he was you know forty-eight to nineteen fifty-two. So, it's the very beginning of what would be the beginning of his acting career. He actually was in the, the, uh, the Air Force. So, you know, he spent four years doing that. And then when he came back, he started getting into acting. Um, and then, you know, obviously, with him as an actor, excuse me, after he finished the Air Force, he actually enrolled in the actor studio in New York City under Lee Strausberg. Um, so, you know, coming out of that, he did some television stuff. And then, but again, this is the movie he's most known for. Um, other ones would be like Outside the Law in 56, Showdown in, uh, Abilene in 56, and then, um, some uncredited small stuff like in Four Girls in Town. Um, but he's, is mostly known for this. This is where he won his Hugo Award for this movie, in fact.
1: So, hey, you wonder why, you know, again, you always wonder why some actors, uh, who have all this potential and all this background, uh, never make it. I mean, who knows what right. his personal life was like. Right. But he
2: also did a lot of stage acting and stuff yeah. too. Yeah. I mean, some people don't want to be in movies. They wanted to do yeah. plays and stuff. It's not like nowadays where everyone just does something to get yeah. to be in a movie. I mean, when
1: you think about when you think about the the war, uh, Audie Murphy was uh, was he became uh, a movie star, uh, and mm-hmm. I don't see any I didn't see any difference between him and 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 Grant Williams uh, on, on the potential. Yeah. But Audie Murphy got uh, because he was a war hero, had uh, all this this you know the the stuff that came with being a, a movie star. Audie Murphy, you know. Congressional Medal of Honor winner, and so that that I mean that led to some of the things that he got. Yeah.
2: Um, also, Randy Stewart, and uh, now Randy Stewart, it um, was actually born Elizabeth Sh- uh, Chauvel. Um, she passed away in '96, um, and she's again best known for this. This is actually the movie that she's actually best known for. Um, with uh, where am I here? So she was, um, excuse me. The uh, uh, she did you know a number of other films and stuff like that. Um, she was uh, in non, uh, not huge roles. I mean, there was nothing where she was the main person. Um, she was in a um, star in the dust in 56, but as a co-star, but this was her main role. And I think that's one of the things that adds to this movie is you don't have uh, like any big name no. stars anywhere. This, the, the story is the important, not the star is the important, you know, I right. think so. Um, and that might be one of the reasons that people maybe. Not that people don't know this story, but people don't remember like, "Oh, I remember seeing Cary Grant in that movie" or "I remember seeing whoever." Like it's like, "Oh, I know that story" because the story takes place because these right. are just again, not that they, they are both very good-looking people, but like they're not yeah. like they're not movie stars that with names you know. Right. You know, it's it's a difference between having a really good actor in a movie who looks totally fine, nothing wrong with him, and then having like someone with a name like, if you say Donnie Wahlberg, well, everyone knows who Donnie Wahlberg is. a TV star. or Mark Wahlberg, his right. brother, right? Those are names people know. But you could have someone who looks just like Donnie Wahlberg with his, like, you know, receding hairline and kind of a little paunch and be totally good an actor. But he wasn't in the, and
1: New Kids in the Block, so no you know, one knows him. I mean, one of, the, one of the things you have is you have, uh, uh, you know, like th- in this one here, these actors, are, I mean, this is a B-movie. But a lot of times you see B-movies and the actors mm-hmm. are... It's yes. unbelievably bad. Yeah, I mean, what I found with this one, this is this is this movie is brilliantly, brilliantly written, filmed and acted. Yeah, and for a B movie that probably didn't have a great a great budget, um, it's. Let's get on with the story because yeah. this is this well, is one of my favorite films. So
2: the thing is, so when when they were doing it, they um, yeah. it actually went over budget. So the budget was supposed between seven hundred to eight hundred thousand dollars, but it, it certainly went over that um by how much they're not sure but that was the budget um and the movie wound up uh grossing uh, let me get the number for you exactly um it made it one of the it wound up grossing over a million dollars in what it was doing and that was important because it made the money back it's one of the highest grossing um b movies or science fiction movies of its time um just trying to find that number for you uh where is it okay so it wound up grossing da, 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 uh, 1.4 th- 1.43 million, making it one of the highest grossing of the decade. Um, to give you an example, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea grossed 8 million, but 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea was Disney. Disney. So um, Journey to the Center of the Earth was 4.8. Uh, the Thing from Another World, 1.95. So that's probably more on the same level as this movie. Man, you have and, to remember,
1: 1955, movies
2: were a quarter. Yeah. Well, Okay, so I'm saying this, but like, so we're thinking about at this time, so a contemporary of this movie would be Invasion of the Body which 1.2 million on that. So if you think about, because you can't really compare, I, I'm sorry, you can't really compare um, any B-movie with 20,000 20, 20, 20, Leagues Under the Sea, because that was color, that was right. Disney, that was, you know, Kirk, Kirk Doug Douglas. Douglas, that was, like, I'm just saying this, you, you can't really compare that movie to this, but it technically falls into science fiction because it's Jules Verne. Um, but if you look at co- movies that fit in contemporary wise, um, you know, that are no, I don't, I don't mean like them with giant insects and stuff. I mean, this is, there's special effects here, but there's right. no over the top monsters or creatures or anything like that. There's no alien or things like that. Even from, yeah, The Thing from Another World, uh, that movie's mostly, I mean, yes, I know that, uh, you have um, James R.N.S. as the thing, but he's not in the movie very much. Right. It's much more about the interaction of the people and the story right. and stuff. And the same thing with Invasion of the Body Snatchers. There is no creature. I mean, the pods burst open, but that's minimal in the movie. It's mostly about the people. So if you're talking about the people and the acting stuff, to me, those are two movies that perfectly fit the idea of being exactly in the same thing. Um, when, we get to the, when we get to the end, we'll talk about it. But there actually was controversy about this movie, uh, about the ending. And uh, we'll talk about that when we get there. But like, there was a lot of controversy about the ending and how Universal felt that this movie would never work. Literally, they thought this movie would totally bomb and never work because of the way the story goes. And if you think about it, looking at it through 2020, you know, 2021, eyes kind of thing now. Um, you, this That's the only way the story can end. But now, but 1956, 57, they're a very different mindset in the U.S. and the thing like that, you know. Even in the 70s and 80s and 90s, that ending makes sense. But in the 50s, it didn't necessarily. So we'll get to that. All right. So, um, okay. So let's take a look here. So um, in the 1950s, they don't tell you exactly when, but 1950s, Robert Scott Carey, um, who's uh, known as Scott, is on vacation with his wife, Louise, um, on his brother's boat when a strange mist covers him. Now, the beginning of this movie, there's... Some people who would watch the beginning of this and think like, "Oh, how how could he speak to her this way?" He's clearly joking around with his wife. Right? Um, I know some people like to get angry about everything, but there's nothing to get angry about here about that way. Um, and that when he, when he stands up into the mist, it like it doesn't appear to be anything more than just fog. But then it, he covers him in like he's shiny, shiny. So perfect example. So not this movie. We're watching another movie. It is in black and white. And Haley said, "Is that? Are those all the same colors?" And I said, no. And I showed her how different things, different colors. It's amazing how they made his skin really sparkle, sparkle. Yeah. in black and white. Because there is no, but it's just a pop of white that whatever is on him, the glitter that's on him, popped white. Especially, uh, you know, now that it's not on a VHS that's four generations old. Now it's on a DVD or, in your case, a Blu-ray. How much it pops. And it really shows that, like, it wasn't just, oh, there's a film on me. It, like, it actually has yeah, something. Yeah, she
1: takes a towel and actually wipes well, yeah, it off. Well, he
2: hands it the towel. He starts trying to wipe it off. Yeah. But it's not coming off at first and i think that's the crazy part about it is that in black and white movies we talk about that how reds read your mind reads it as red because it or green because but they had to make it more red to make this read this way um and and uh clothes are the biggest if someone comes in and a woman comes in wearing a cream blouse it reads as white until a man walks in with a white shirt Then her shirt reads as not white and it's so funny that that happens because your mind is filling in what it doesn't, because right. it's just color missing. So your mind is trying to fill in your, what it is. And this worked really well. So after, they don't think anything of it. So six months later, um, Scott starts to notice that his clothes are too large. and I think it's funny. He called, well, you got to talk to the, because usually what happens, you, you get things back in the dry cleaner, but it's too small. It's too small. Right? Oh, what's happening? Oh, my shirts don't fit because I'm, you know, I've been putting on weight. And what does his wife say? Well, a lot of people love to losing weight. But he goes, well, I'm not just losing weight. Like, why are the sleeves too long? And, like, especially his shirt. It is It is crazy to watch him put the shirt on. Again, you've ne- you've seen him, you know, just in his swim trunks there on there. And now she's talking about the pants being too big. But you don't realize, like, okay, your pants are too big. You lost some waist. And, you know, your cuff line is whatever kind of thing. Because back then, obviously, you know, it's the same thing. Like, they didn't just walk off the bottom. You cuffed them and stuff. You had them hemmed. But when he puts the shirt on, it's so drastic how much difference the size is. His neck, he can put his whole oh, hand man, inside inside his collar. His sleeves are too long. And he, what does his wife saying, Well, it's your shirt. It's got your monogram on it. And I was just like, it's so funny because it couldn't be just a white shirt. Because a white shirt and a white shirt maybe got mixed up in the wash and you've got your neighbor's shirt. But it's his. It's his, it's his shirt. So um, it, said S, it said SC on there. And I was like, oh, he's got Santa Claus's shirt on. That's what he's got. <laughs> Um, for those of you who know your Santa Claus, the movie with Tim Allen, you know, the SC part is always the funny part of that. Anyway, uh, where are we? So he knows the clothes are too large. Um, he, he starts to find himself continuing to shrink and then he goes to the doctor. So he's, he's worried about his wife. worried about him not eating enough and being stressed. He goes to the doctor and the doctor's like, well, there's lots of reason you could be shorter. He goes, I've been six one my entire life. Right. Yeah. And he well, said, well, what, no, what? Yeah, no. I'm, he says he goes. I've been six one, one my entire, entire life. life, right? Right. And he goes, well, how many physicals have you had? And the doctor's trying to like medically explain it away, which is Jack Arnold, right? This is yep. so like him. Like, there's a reason for this. So what happens? The doctor's like, well, maybe there was inaccuracies then. But well, he goes, well, how many times do you go? He goes, well, I got you know at the draft board, right? right? And when I got medical insurance, and he hasn't been to the doctor since. He's never been measured. Fight. He goes, maybe they made mistakes. He goes, yeah, but he goes. Plus, he goes. We take you, we, we measure you in the morning compared to at night he goes, you yeah, have two inches. He goes, eh, I've seen, you know, like it just kind of explains
1: it away. It's like, it's not that big a deal. Yeah. You well, know, you know that, that hit me personally. I forgot all about that because, uh, as you know, I've been, I was six one by the time I got out of, out of high school mm. and right now I'm five foot 11 and a quarter. So where did it all go? It went to my waist. Right? I don't know, but it's the shrinking of, it's, it's just the compression right. of your spine. Exactly. Like but I mean, but that line yeah. just
2: hit me like a ton of bricks. Yeah. But it's so funny. Do you think it's like, well, I've lost two inches. it's like, <clears throat> the reality of life is that like, um, you know, some people get real tall real quick. Uh, you know, some of us, you know, got to be the same height we are right now when we're in fourth grade and you're a monster on CYO basketball. And yeah. some yeah. of us are not that monster on CYO basketball. I mean, I was, uh, you know, I was this tall when I was in fifth grade. Um, but the problem is, is that like, it's true. Like, in, If you get your height and weight done at certain times of the day they fluctuate um you know uh, i mean Haley does that all the time Haley will weigh herself then go to the bathroom then weigh herself again to see how much she went to the bathroom and the other day she lost a pound and a half we're like good lord girl she goes i ate a lot today Dad. you know kind of thing right <laughs> um but that's exactly what it is and it's so it, it doesn't seem like much but that's exactly how you kind of explain away and you know the science of it every science in this the science in this movie We'll get to the crazy science in a minute. Yeah. It all makes sense, I, though, logically.
1: Well, you know, when you're watching this movie, it's only 80 minutes, mm-hmm. but it's broken down into three parts. Yep. You have the story, the science, and then the science fiction. Right.
2: Yeah. So, uh, where are we? At? okay. So, Scott's doctor confirms. Okay. So, um, they're, they 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 at first dismissive. Scott's doctor confirms he's shrinking with X rays. They took a series of X rays, which I thought was a great way to show, show it, it. Right. Because if you are shrinking. Your and your whole body shrinking, not like you're just getting shorter. But see, if you're just getting shorter, yeah, your, 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 your cavity, yeah, your your chest isn't changing size. And it was literally because his he's 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 getting more. So if you are real heavy, where your lungs and all that stuff are are pretty much in the exact same place. If you were really skinny, if you're the same frame, your body right. frame doesn't change. It's just how much you're carrying on your frame. But he's literally looking at his shoulders getting narrower, his body's getting sh- shorter. And more now because he's shrinking into and in within proportion. He's not shrinking as in just getting shorter, you know, kind of thing. He's not looking like Frankenstein's monster at one point with right. super
1: long arms. Yeah, and then they, they put the two X rays up on top of each yeah. other, and, uh, and it's it's again it's a it's there's not nothing is being said there, mm-hmm. but you can see that the the one that was done previously is bigger than the one that's up yeah. now. hell. So uh, so then, um, Scott referred to the Medical Research Institute
2: where it's determined that his exposure to the mist. And then later, so you think like, oh, it's got to be that mist. Well, how come she wasn't affected, right? Because she was inside, but she mm-hmm. wasn't in the mist directly. So, okay, so she didn't breathe it in, whatever you start thinking. But it couldn't just be that mist. If that mist was going across the water, how come no one else was affected? And then you realize that he then was exposed to pesticides. Like what he said months uh, later, it says see here. Um, later exposure to pesticides rearranged his molecular structure, causing him to shrink. Now, what's the first thing they say is? The first thing he says, you mean it's like cancer? And he says, no, it's like anti-cancer. And I was like, what a – like this is 1957 dropping like you know knowledge on people that was just so above what most people's pay grade was at the time, right? People knew what cancer was in the 50s. I'm not saying they didn't. But people didn't know about cancer the way they know about cancer now and like early detection and how to – I mean people just died from all kinds of cancers back then. And they would sometimes find it after you're dead, Right. right? to think that there, he's talking about when oh, I have cancer and that's why I'm, I'm loose. Cause one of the side effects of having cancer, and that's usually, that's how they found it with me is I lost a lot of weight really quickly. And what happens because your body starts fighting that and you just start metabolism
1: changes. I mean, they, when the, again, I, I thought about you when it says, cause he, he mentions that I had to drink a barium solution mm-hmm. and stand behind a floor. I'm watching them
2: do the, the, the what when, when they first diagnosed me with the, the LPR, yeah. I had to do the swallow study. That's literally what, I mean, it's, it's come a little long, a little ways from just an right. x-ray machine in a room and a guy drinking it. But I literally had to lay on my side and drink barium solution to watch, then stand up and drink it, then lay on my other side. Right. They had to watch how it went down my throat to determine if I had throat cancer. And that's crazy. But I'm watching this going, literally, I've seen this movie dozens of times. And I never once thought about it that way. And I never thought it because I haven't seen this movie in years. And now I'm watching this going, okay, this has all new meaning, all new sub... Uh, Text and subtext and everything else. No, no.
1: And there's a throwaway scene just before they go to the uh, uh, to see the uh, the doctor at the, mm-hmm. at the clinic. Uh, we we where we see Butch the cat, and the and the he, he's just a regular house cat. And they they name him by they give him a name. Hi Butch, and then they go they go right away. It's a, it's just a throwaway scene, but it's important later on. Yeah. So um, uh, causing like it's a nuclear structure causing strength.
2: Scott tells Luis in light of the predicament. Uh, she's free to leave him. And Luis promises to stay as long as his wedding ring is on his finger. Yeah. And of course it
1: falls off. falls off. I'm that. It, that was,
2: yeah. Right. And, and again, this hits home too, because I no longer can actually wear my actual wedding band. It doesn't fit my hand anymore because I, my, my, after all that, like when I first got sick, my wedding band started sliding off. I'm like, this thing never falls off my hand. Right. And that's how we knew I was getting sick because I was losing weight in my hands. Like I don't, you don't have any weight to lose in your hands, but when you're dropping weight quickly, and your body's changing, it, your, things start changing. Uh, and so that scene's always really powerful, because he looks right over at her when the ring falls off his hand, and it's like, of course. But nowadays, you're like, of course that would happen. But in 1957, you didn't do that in the movie. right? And this is where Universal's problems started. When they started watching this movie, th- at, up to this point, when his ring, and he remember, he's not really small, he's just starting to shrink. Just, yeah. You're kind of like, you, you're, you're, your heart goes out to this guy the whole time. And they said, the problem is, you feel so bad for him, you you gotta he's gotta be an upbeat ending to this and as you're going on at no point does anything seem to go his way you can just see him starting to get more and more depressed and right. that's really what this movie's about at its core is it well, was a lot of things but there's also about the idea of clinical depression the idea of uh you know the loss of oneself the idea of um after the war uh you know got PTSD yeah PTSD but also guys would come home and remember during during like uh you know the civil war a guy got injured they died even World War I people died World War II medicine was so good people are coming back missing limbs missing arms missing fingers deformed like they felt less of a man like it's all those things that literally led to the B movies that people just wash away it's no big deal but if this was done like you said in a movie with Audie Murphy they'd be like oh my god it's brilliant it's talking about it here because this was a place where they could talk about these things. The loss of identity in America for for part of the population got worse in the 60s, the 70s, sure, the 80s. It, it never got better and to yeah. the point where now it's rampant. People feel unseen. And what they're talking about in 1957 is he's shrinking, right? So physically you can see him getting smaller. But his importance...
1: He's, he's, also seen, he's
2: also shrinking he feels that he's less of a man now that he's because you married a man who's this tall and this and he says that to her right and it's so poignant because as you watch someone who's sick you feel those same things you feel less you feel worthless at times and that's where depression sets in which is one of the biggest issues that no one ever wants to talk about but it's yeah. true
1: Yeah, when when the ring falls off his mm-hmm. his finger that's the end of the first part of it. That's yes, the story. Because it actually cuts to black. That's the story. Because when, now when it cuts to black, because now when they come back, he's... Well, the brother's talking to him. Yeah. And you can't, and see, you him. can't see him. see But you
2: see her sitting in the chair. And she, here's what here's what I love. Her head is clearly above the top of the chair. Right. Right? And you see her. And the brother's just looking at a chair, talking. And he's clearly talking to, to Scott. Scott. And they don't show him. And you're thinking, okay, maybe it's the perspective. Maybe he slumps in the chair because he's a little shorter. And when their brother stops talking and they cut to Scott, and he looks like a child,
1: child he's yeah. sitting in the chair. Tr- and this is where, this is where the optical effects mm-hmm. start to take place. The props are now, it's almost like his stuff is huge it, and everything it's else. It's like regular. Dr. Cyclops. You know, yes. yes exactly. Very similar to that. But again, it's done brilliantly. Mm-hmm.
2: So, um, so that's when the brother says, well, you have two options here. They're going to know about it eventually. Why don't you try to make money off it? Um, because he can't, the brother can't keep paying him. Uh, because again, this is the other problem too. And this is what people don't ever think about. Like, he's sick. He can't be going to work. Like, he's going to doctors every day. Every minute of his day is doctors or this or tests. You're not working. So that his, he works for a company that his brother owns or with his brother, and he's able to keep paying him. At some point, they stop paying you because that's what life is. They stop at some point. And so obviously, now he's got to make some money off it. So that's when he's going to write his book. Right, um, and obviously the, his condition makes him a national curiosity. Where the wife's trying to get an unlisted phone number, which they can't, you know, kind of thing. Um, yeah. There's just people outside.
1: Well, the press is hounding the limit. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. It, and the press doesn't. The press could care less right. about his predicament. Yeah, where's the story? It's inside. Yeah, let's get in there and get it. Yeah. So again, the
2: media attention forces Scott in seclusion inside his house. Um, he, where he, he, winds up selling the story rights and begins to keep a journal of his experiences. Right, so he's starting to feel very um, in, uh, humiliated and emasculated. want to it, and he, he's lashing out against uh, his wife, uh, Louise, because, and it's not because she's doing anything wrong. It's just he doesn't know. Oh, it just, it's the frustration building up, right. and there's, and, and there's nothing else he can do.
1: Yeah, and here's where, th- this is what I, I talked about earlier. Uh, his Louise is in the same room, in the same frame or same screen. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, I mean, yeah, yeah, the yeah, it's, it's, yeah it's the same, same shot. In, yeah. And there is you cannot tell uh, that that it's it's two it's two separate I, screens. It's I, not the split screen right. is done brilliantly. I here. think
2: I think what helps that a lot that is it black and white. Yeah, because I think right. in color you you mm-hmm. can see the color uh, fade.
1: See I, what I thought I might have seen. I mean, I was looking specifically, just as we were, as you're talking mm-hmm. about. I was looking directly at the curtains on the wall yeah. because he's on the right side of the film yeah. and she's on the left. Yeah. And the curtains look like they're one, they're, they're a shade lighter or a shade darker on one side than the other, which means that would have been the film, yeah. the film stock running yeah. the yeah. two things. But it, he is, he is fully formed. There's no shadowy. I think of and obviously she's she's live and uh, as I said that's it makes the scene when you watch a movie where you know it's that the, the the character that it's 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 fake because mm-hmm. of the way the special effects yeah. make it look it, you, you lose train of thought on the movie and you lose yeah. credibility this doesn't lose credibility at any time at any any in, in the movie so the thing is the difference is when
2: harryhausen did dynamation Right. He used a glass cell, right? Um, which he would have whatever on. He would take the the frame, but he was going frame of film by frame of film, and then that would re put the back together, and then shot the background stuff behind it. Um, that you couldn't do that here. There's no way because these are human actors. They can't. They they couldn't hold still long enough. A model, uh, uh, and the the puppet could be moved. Picture moved. Picture and it worked because they could be locked into place. Humans can't hold that still. You would see the shutter in them, and that's why this is so much different than even dynamation. Because people might be saying, "Well, Jay, we saw Harryhausen do this; is very different, and because he's dealing with inanimate objects compared to uh, moving actual people." Right. So, um, where are we yeah, he lashes out against? Me. Okay, the doctors find an antidote, what they think is an antidote. So he goes in there, and they say they're fifty percent sure. 50% sure. You would never even give anyone anything at 50% sure, but he's so desperate, this he's willing to take it. Well, you know what I'm saying? Is, but if I said to you, there's a 50% chance this will kill you, uh, you ain't taking it. Well, right. Th- th- but the thing
1: is, but, but if you were that desperate, you would say yes. Well, give me an example of, of someone doing a desperate thing. Stephen McQueen did, he took one of the most unorthodox treatments for his cancer that. They they said it was it would probably just kill you right away. But he was so desperate not to die. Right. But that's what he did, and so
2: no, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. In in any other situation, you would never accept 50 percent failure rate at, on on an antidote to something. I mean, unless you're like in the desert, you're going to die anyway. But that's what it is. He felt like I'm going to die anyway from this. I'll do this, and what happens? He takes the antidote, and he appears to now be stabilized, stable, stabilized. Yeah. And they're like, well, when's it going to reverse? And he goes, wow, well, we don't know if we're going to be able to reverse it. And his, and you could just see him de- defeated as he's like,
1: "I'm going to be this size forever." And at this point, he's 36 inches tall, yeah, or roughly now, 30 inches. Yeah, tall. now there's a, there's another throwaway scene uh, that in here just before um, he's he has he's told the that the antitoxin mm-hmm. is found. Louise is in the basement hanging her clothes, and she puts a ke- piece of cake on the ledge. Just and it takes all of three or four seconds, and it, and it, they cut away and they go right back to the story, but that has. A lot of meaning, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. But it, you yeah. know, I mean, that I mean, you know, in any movie to have to have the the wherewithal to to put to show that the cake is there and it was there not like, three years ago, right? But it was there just ten minutes ago. Yeah, yeah, is important,
2: right? Um, so the uh, the antidote. Okay, so uh, emotionally broken, Scott leaves home and meets. Uh, Clarice, who works for the circus. Now he, so he's, he's out going, for, he goes out for a walk. walk. And so this is where Richard Matheson, uh, not, no, a novel or novella, I should say, differs from the movie. And this is one of the main things that I know they're 1957 would not let you show on screen. So I'm going to tell you about this. So I said, so in the novella, he's out walking and he, and he goes to the carnival and he meets Clarice and whatever. And he's walking home from getting no, up okay. So Clarice is thirty six inches tall. Also, yeah, she, she's, she's a midget. Yeah, well, she's a dwarf technically. Well, she yeah. calls
1: herself a midget. And
2: she does, but that's not the technical term, and that's right. not polite. Right. I'm not politically correct now. She's technically a dwarf um, in in what happened. And then so, but anyway, they he meets her. She meets him for coffee. Now there's also someone else from the circus with her, you know, who comes by the table. Yeah, Billy Barney, I think his name is. It, it might have. Been, I don't know if it was Billy Barney, but no. it doesn't matter. It's, it's somebody else walks by. And the whole thing is they're sitting and they're oversized cups and everything's huge. And it's like, as if you were really 36 inches tall and, but, but, you know, as a grown adult being 36 inches tall and they have their conversation. And that's where, uh, Scott starts to, uh, you know, say, Hey, maybe this is life. Isn't the worst thing in the world, you know, kind of thing. I got to look at it from a more positive perspective. Here's someone who doesn't can't, nothing can ever be changed. She's going to be like this the rest of her life. So in the book, this is when he's walking home and he's got to walk home and he's walking on the side road and a, a car stops. He says, get in. I'll give you a ride. And they're like, no, no, I'm good. No, get in, get in, get in. And this guy gets him in the car. And what the guy's looking to do is he thinks it's a kid. So this is like, oh, uh, pedophil- there's no way uh, 1957 be okay with this. Yes. It's in the short story. Go re- And I, when I read the short story, I said, I don't remember this in the movie because no. i read the short story, but wow. it's so powerful. And he's even says, he goes, then when he, when he gets in, so, whether it's supposed to be that he realizes it's the, the guy from the news, or he thinks it's a child, sure. either way, the guy's intentions are n- there's just horrific the intentions, and he gets out of the car and gets home. But it's like when I read that, I took it to mean it was somehow uh, uh, the guy was a pedophile of some kind. Not necessarily that he was trying to like, get you know because whatever, right. but it was there was nothing good going to come out of that and maybe i'm interpreting that wrong but i highly doubt that because i read this and it stuck with me for years i haven't read the shrinking man in years yeah me too i did i, you know, I forgot all about yeah. it i mean the thing is i've read a lot of math stuff and that's stuck with me out of a lot of his things um richard richard matheson you know again everyone knows i am legend and like other like uh what dreams may come and things like that but him I and his short stories um especially ones that involve children are usually written in a way that stay with you one of the ones i remember is called witch war and it's a, it's a bunch of little girls sitting in a room and they're all, um, you know, just doing little girl stuff. And then they all hold hands and concentrate real hard and boulders for all the sky and kill the, uh, the enemy. They kill the, the invading troops. Why? Because they're all witches, just as if it's nothing. And they go right. back to doing nothing. So Richard Matson writes these things that are so normal. And I think that's why they stay because it's, it's not fantastical. It's not a dragon. It's not a cyclops. It's not something we can see Harry has not put on a screen. So it's so realistic. That that's why it lends itself so well to Twilight Zone, well, so went to eventually uh, night galleries and things like all those things that came down the road out of that kind of writing from this time. And Rod Serling's the same way.
1: Yeah. So one of the thing, one of the things that I noticed again <laughs> here that 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 made it the, you know really really good for me was when he is walking in the streets and at the carnival, mm-hmm. the people who again he's not in the scene
0: They actually react well.
1: yeah. they react perfect they look down at him. I mean, even in the, in the diner, he's, he's getting his cup of coffee and the guy who's sitting next to him looks down at him like this. And it's brilliant because the, because the the scene where you see him walking, it's obvious that it's, it's, again, it's, it's a double screen again, Mm -hmm. and it's even in the double screen, people look down. So they're being told, take 10 steps, look down. And, you know, or mm-hmm. they had to, in order to mesh the, yeah. the, so nowadays together. what
2: you would do nowadays, you you would have someone who is a little person wearing a green suit. Right. And that and they would look at the person in the green suit. Exactly. That's uh we used to talk about that. Um, Stan Winston. Okay. You're reacting to this monster. Where's the monster? It's a tennis ball at the right. end of this broom. Right. And they're like, what? Just act to it. And they would act to that. And he would put the dinosaur or the monster or the creature over that thing. And that's what, but that doesn't exist here. There is no CG digital erasing, there's physically cutting film apart, physically sewing film together to go from there. All
1: right. yeah, and and now, the, after after the 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 we see we have this scene, the second part ends. The science is over, and now the science fiction begins because the next time we see him, the shrinking has started. No, no, again.
2: there's one more part before that. So they go to so that's what so Clary says to him. You're actually a little taller than I am, oh. and then he brings her the book, book and she's reading the book and they stand up. And he said, when we first met, you said you were taller than me. And right. Now he's shorter. And that's when he snaps. And that's when the next fade to black happens. Right. Cause we never that's see a- Clarice again. Right. Now, when we cut back to the house, you don't even see him. You just see her coming down the stairs and he's sitting on a couch. You're like, this couch looks weird. This house looks weird. Yeah. It's a doll house. Doll house. And that's how small he's gotten. And that, and I think that's what also sets it up too, because we don't need to see him get that small. We know what's occurring in that time lapse, we don't need to know how many days it is exactly whatever, because we've already invested enough in this story to say, okay, here's a guy. I know what happened to him. I know why this is happening. Hey, here's the science trying to save him. It didn't work. Now we got to get to the part where he gets really small because that's what it's known for. Yeah. Um, I mean, even the, uh, the cover of uh Shrink- shrinking man. And then it's shrinking man with additional stories by Matheson. The cover is him with the nail fighting the spider. Like yeah. that is because it's, it's iconic, but it was that originally it wasn't like, it's just from the story. Um, now when you see the covers, it looks a lot more like the movie version, right? But Scott, you know, he looks different. Scott looks as, as Matthew just, whoever's doing the painting kind of thing, right? At the time. So, um, so now he's small enough to live in the dollhouse. Uh, and he's become completely unhinged, right? He's just, he's completely again because he's, he's
1: losing his mind. Like that's part of the problem. And now the thoughts of suicide. Yeah. And he picks up a knife. And he said, do I have the courage well, to do it? Okay, so it's a knife. You know what that is? Well, yeah, yeah. It's uh,
2: like a box cutter. It's a box it's cutter. Like, it's, and it's huge in his hand. It's a piece of a box cutter. And to think about like a box cutter, you know have a box cutter. Like, I don't mean a big one, folks. I mean, a little tiny yeah. box cutter you'd have just in your kitchen for opening things. It looks humongous in his hand. And it's like, that's brilliant because it wouldn't just be a knife because who would make a knife that small? Right. It has to be something in the house they broke down to be Could it right be, Could it be, you know, dolls? Uh, uh, no, but it, uh, but it wouldn't be sharp. He's It's actually oh sharp. No, to cut. Right, yeah. So what I'm saying is what he has in his hand is a piece of – so it probably is not a box cutter. It's probably just a tip of a razor blade Yeah. with tape. With tape on it, yeah. Right, which is what you would use um, for wrestling fans. That's how you blade yourself. You could piece uh, it a little tiny piece uh, and you'd your finger cut your head. Yeah. Um, but, you know, like, but that's what it is. It's a blade for basically wrestling. But that thing is so small on your finger when you're, when you're blading and wrestling, so you just do this, and yeah. it just cuts your head up. Well, in his hands, it's humongous. It looks like a machete. So um, now Lisa's, Lisa's going to run to the local store. She opens the front door, of course, and then goes back to get, I think, her gloves. Yeah. And Butch comes in the house and now is in, in a away. She doesn't see it. So what happens? Now Scott's in the uh, um, He's inside the house sitting on, the, and he hears Butch scratching, scratching away. Wow. And that's when he opens the front door. And if there's any scene in this movie that might not look realistic here, because when he opens the door, you kind of can tell it's a screen because the cat isn't three-dimensional. It's a little flatter than it should be. I think that's because we're watching a cleaned-up version. Right. I'm sure back in the day it was like, whoa, you know, uh, kind of right? It's still – Yeah, you know, right, but I'm saying that's the only scene you might be able to tell because the screen – the cat yeah. is a little flat in the face yeah. just because of the way a screenshot because it's shot through the door because the scene itself is shot through a giant set with an actual screen right. where you're projected. Right. Where you're projected. Yeah. And it looks like that. But then th- they cut immediately away and now they're cutting to the cat trying to get in. And then you see the cat literally, I think someone's pushing this cat from behind because this cat's <sighs> like, no, 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 no. I mean, when, when the cat's coming into yeah. this house, someone's pushing that cat in the back. There could be catnip inside. Who knows what no, it is. No, but they, the cat doesn't really... A couple of the scenes, the cat doesn't really seem to want to get inside. He's like, around the corner. No, no, when he was trying to get in, right. it's one I thing. Know. But when you see Scott in the inside and the cat coming around the corner, when it's first time his face comes around, it doesn't really seem like it wants to be pushed. But then it realizes there
1: must be something there standing in the corner. When the cat puts his paw through the, through the window. Well, right. I yeah. mean, it is... And it's an extended scene. It mm-hmm. doesn't... It's not... It takes at least... 30 seconds, 40, 45 seconds for this scene to play it's out. It's a lot of shots that are put together really well. I mean, it's, yeah. one of, it's, it's when you don't expect it, it is thrilling yeah. to watch this. Yeah, so what I'm saying, so where the thing
2: is, you now are cutting together a lot of scenes. You're cutting together two different pieces of footage. You're cutting together, you know, multi-shots, shots of the catch. I mean, things are cut well. It's yeah. not jump cut like it would be nowadays. It's not, it's not phrenic cutting. It's cut to a way you can tell... Not that they're long lingering shots, but they're enough so they build the cat where it is in relation to the house. And then they shoot inside the house. But it's not junk up back and forth where you get dizzy from
1: it. right? I mean, right? They even have, it's, what, what's even, even better is when the cat chases him across the room. Well, I'm saying so now he escapes yeah. and the cat starts chasing him. And this
2: is where I think, if anything, you might be able to tell some of the stuff um, if there's a place where he's uh, more... Um, The only time he's really see-through the entire movie is when he yells down to her when she puts the cake down. They found a cure because he's very see-through at that point. I think because now we're cleaning it up enough where it can happen, you actually see through him a little. And I think that's the reason that happened is because it was shot from a dark cellar to a lighted area. And then he's in a lighted area, but the lights are just a lot and it washes him out. In this scene, you can kind of see one of the scenes where you can see the cat swipes and he falls and you can see the, the break in the screen at that point. It's for a split second, but that might be the only time because then once he's near the cord, you
1: can't see it anymore. Yeah, I mean, if we, if you're really no, no, I'm just no, 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 as a critic and, and you're looking at every frame, yeah. you know, that's one thing but this is done so it's done right, in, no, uh, okay. so quickly yes. that it's almost seamless.
2: Yeah, no, no, what I'm saying is, but that if, if there's this time when you're looking at the movie, yeah. that scene with the, with the, where it's lit that way and it makes it happen. And But again, you're focused on her, not him, because right. he's real small, but it makes it look see-through. And just that scene, you kind of can see where it happens. And I've seen stills of the movie where that's where you can kind of see, if anything, things, they all line up. It's just that where the, you can kind of see the break a little. But once he gets to the cord, everything works fine, and he yanks the cord down of the lamp, and the lamp falls and uh, scares the cat away, right? And that's when he goes to hide behind the door. Now, the problem is, I understand you can't go back in the house, but to me, the basement would be the last
0: place I want to go,
2: because the basement, you're dead, because there's nothing, you can't get out of there. I mean, I thought it was the only place he could hide because it was open. Yes, no, I understand that. but I'm saying is, but of all the places to run to, the door to the basement's open. You can't go up the stairs. You can't go in. But I'm like, and I'm thinking about it. There's got to be somewhere else that you could make this, you know, your stand. Because once he goes to the basement, the cat comes back. Yeah. And he's not strong. I think the thinking is, when he goes here, he tries to close the door. If he could have closed the door to the basement, he has a he shot. tries to shut But, of course, he can't close the door to the basement. And the cat forces the door That's open and knocks him into the box. Right. Right. And once we once we have that happen, I mean, that, this is the most action that's occurred in the entire film. And this right. is, like, all yeah, the perfect. action, you know, kind of thing. So far, this has been a lot of talking and, you know, medical drunk stuff and whatever. And now that he falls down there, you're like, okay, he's screwed. Like, yeah. th- there's no way they can hear him screaming from the basement. Now, you might be thinking, okay, the cat's going to go down and follow him. And that might be whatever. But, of course, the cat can't see him. So the cat leaves, you yeah. know.
1: And now he folds into the what was the, uh, the 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 sewing box with all the or a box with all the yeah, sewing not the sewing stuff box, all the, the and box. he's now about I'd say about three or four inches tall. Yeah, he's he's and, small enough where he can fit through and I'll the, tell you, the, the the crease the the um, to, the crack in the box crack in a box and the props uh, now take on a whole new level in the cellar. I mean, yeah, uh, the the uh, uh, the people now what they for what they're doing to to build a scene up. Uh, for the rest of the the rest of the movie it is amazing because they've got things well we'll get to well the thing time. is
2: this is that when he falls he's not the, he's not small enough to be able to get out of the box but he not, he's not unconscious and he's when I finally come to and now things are even bigger, bigger. so he's been a, a, out for a day or whatever and he's still shrinking and that's the problem he's still shrinking at this point so in, again, it might not be as drastic as it was when you're losing inches, but he's losing. But you know, if you're three inches tall and you, you lose, lose a tenth, tenth of a, an you know, oh, yeah, I did yeah, a tenth of an inch, it's a lot, right? So he's now able to get out of the box, and that's when he starts trying to figure out, you know, how he starts calling for her, and he can't. And there's no way I can climb these stairs, and and it's people who said, well, he could have down. like how? How is he going to do anything? Like these aren't. It's not like there's anything that like he could climb and climb up on. They're, they're empty between stairs. So right, and, now, his, and his voice
1: is isn't mean, strong enough. Yeah. He,
2: it's like a little squeaky. Yeah. At the, at the so spoke. the the one criticism people have said is, well, they, he found a match. Why didn't he set a fire? Okay. Water. Right. Okay, so you now are expecting him to somehow set a fire big enough that they would actually notice. They didn't notice their their uh, water heater is leaking, like a sieve, right, kind of thing. Like yeah. Until they go to the basement, they wouldn't even know it was in the flood. This isn't, first of all, there are no smoke detectors in this house since 1957, right? Right, because people have said he should have
1: set a fire. He said smoke detector on in 1980, maybe in the mid 80s, because even in the 80s people had smoke detectors. And just he not. had to, I mean, you had to he, find some uh, some kind of combustible thing. Said, that, right, to he, put on he can make a match. I, I can light a match I mean, in his house and not set the floor. See, the thing off. is, the, the reason is matches down there by the by the water gear. the the pilot. That's keep the, the pilot th- yeah. light on. That's <laughs> why you had that. I mean, when I grew up. We had we had a, a hot water heater down down in the basement, and every so often, my grandfather or my dad had to go down there to make sure the pilot light was on. And if it wasn't on, you turned on the the, okay. the, the, the guessing you put a match in. Yeah. That's how you lit the stove. Right. So what I'm saying, but that's the people. That's that's the criticism yeah. people said, and I'm saying
2: people are looking at it through the wrong eyes. You have to remember, it's 1957. Things don't exist that exist now or even, you know, 20 years ago. Like if this was in the ni- mid-1990s and there's a smoke detector and you – or that, just turn the gas knob because you're too low. It won't bother you. The, the, the gas detector will go – there is no gas detector. Right. It doesn't exist. I mean, but – You're talking about things – right, but that's <clears> what I'm saying. Those are the criticisms. So but, what I'm saying is those criticisms are garbage. And people who say that stuff because they want to like cut down a movie because it's a B movie and it's not important, right. they're wrong because you're talking about things that don't exist. That would be like, the, why did you just pull out a cell phone? Because it's 1957, you moron. It doesn't have a cell phone. First of all, it would be ten times the size of him. Right? Anyway. So he escapes out of there. And that's when he goes over to where the, it's – and he makes his way across
1: the basement floor. And he's looking for food. For food and water. Well, he found the water because the water here is leaking. Yeah, And right? it's only a drip at a time one drop at a time it's enough it, I'm but, it's amazing, but it's again he's he's the prop is fantastic because he walks underneath the this oversized water heater mm-hmm. and the drips that are coming down i mean it they would they would knock you silly if you were standing yeah. under
2: so and then he of course takes the box the matches stand he's able he's not heavy he's able to stand it up so he's able to find shelter and then he's saying he has to find food and that's mm-hmm. what the part with the mousetrap now the mousetrap um this prop is a humongous mousetrap, right? Kind of thing. Um, and obviously he's trying to steal the cheese Jeez. off of it. Um, and the thing is to me, when I first see this, my first thought is, okay, there's no way in the world I'm getting anywhere near this mousetrap because it, he has nails and stuff on the floor. If you can pick the nail up to me, I'm thinking drop the nail immediately. That's my first thought. Not, not, I'm not going to get on the thing with the giant, you know, uh, come over the top. Cause even if it didn't hit him, it could have still crushed his leg or something like that. Whatever. So my first thought was to use the nail. Now, obviously, he goes and tries to steal. It builds the drama right, as right. the as the as the mousetrap starts to kind of like come undone, okay. the old fashioned mousetrap. Um, and he's going to use the nail to trip it, and of course he trips it, and the mousetrap spins over and shoots the cheese off. Right. Of course it does. Can't can't catch a break. can't catch a break, right? And it goes down the 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 drain in the basement.
1: I mean, the thing with the mousetrap scene is that you're you're watching this. And every time he tries to he tries something either to either by standing on it and the the uh, the release moves slightly. Yeah. But you hear it. So he then he jumps off. Yeah. Then he then he picks up the nail and drops it. And it, and it moves a little more, but it still doesn't doesn't but he go. dropped it on
2: the wrong side. He dropped it yeah. on the inside, which did nothing.
1: Now it, but again, when it goes off, I mean it's it, just a mousetrap snapping. It, but yeah. But, but, but the scene it it looks like He's there, yeah, right. right. Well, because it's shot well yeah.
2: with the perspective of the actual mousetrap snapping, um, but, yeah. and then he's imposed. And then, um, so now the, <sighs> the cheese goes away. Now he got barely a small little bite of it before it went away, and now he's trying to figure out how he's going to find other food because there is no. Again, it's it's your cellar, right? It's not like people like. What if they had canned food? Even if he had a jar, right? A jar, right. Or a mason jar. How's he gonna open, open it? it? Right, exactly. How's he gonna? How's, well, you crack it. How are you gonna crack it? A mason jar, you can hit it with a hammer. He can't pick up a hammer. He barely picked up the nail. Yeah, no, right? so he's searching high so saying, and low. So I'm saying, so all those criticisms that people had yeah. to throw at the, because no, people like to throw things out there that make <clears throat> no sense. So debunking all that is, is easily done. So you think, okay, well, he got water, so he's not going to die immediately, but he needs food at some point, right? Because yeah. again, without water, you'll die before you die without food, Right. And so he he that's when he he starts saying he sees the cake but it's it's, it's up but on, it's on top. top he goes this it's forever away and then he's like oh maybe I can climb and what happens then the tarantula now <sighs> it's a tarantula guys As people say it's a spider
1: it's oh, a tarantula
2: right. it is a big tarantula nonetheless right comes out of uh but just uh, the <laughs> drawer right or whatever that is because yeah. it's a bunch, no, it's a box, a it's, box. A, it's a box right and i think it's it comes out of there and um, and that's when he starts trying to like figure out, that's when he runs around the corner and he's in with the pincushion, and he's able to take the pin out. And that becomes one of his weapons. And he's able to take another pin and
1: fashion it into a grappling hook. Cause right. he knows what he wants to do. Yeah. Well,
2: which the, is just, how are you going
1: to do this? I mean, that when the, now that the spider shows up. I mean, it's the spider's not attacking him at this point. It's just walking across the thing. But now he realizes that he's not alone. Right. And at this point, the, 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 the music done by, uh, uh uh, uh, Joseph Gershenson, it just it's just ratcheted up, yeah. and it's the music then just sucks you in, sucks you in, and sucks well, you the in. The thing is, this the music for this movie though
2: is not an actual score.
1: it's, right, it's, it's
2: three di- or three or four different pieces, pieces put together, right? Because there is no overall theme. Okay, so if Hans Zimmer did a movie, like it all ties together. Like you listen to yep. the Gladiator soundtrack, it all ties together. This movie distinctly has a first part, a second part, a third part. Each one has very different music, and the
1: third part—the third part just keeps; it's just right. it, it, it it accentuates the the scenes you're watching. Right, and it has to because because it's because the
2: action is happening now. You wouldn't want action music occurring, and you're going to the doctor like it's not. There's no action to that, right. right? So that's what's here. So he then makes himself a grappling hook out of the uh, um. So that's when he finds the match string, and he lights the match to burn the 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 string, the, the string right? The thread. And that's when he makes his grappling book. Now, part of me thinking like, okay, could you somehow let it keep burning? But there's, there's no fuel once the matchstick burns down. Yeah, it's just the match head. Yeah, you know, right. But yeah. the matchstick itself would be the only fuel you had. You don't have other fuel to keep a fire going. Because that's the only thing I might think of. If I had a fire, the spider's not going to want to be near the fire. Like, the spider's not going to like that, you know, kind of thing. And that might be the only thing you could think of. But how would you keep it going? You don't have kindling. You don't have anything else. Right. So unless you started trying to, like, Set the box of matches on fire, but it's not going to last that long. Like you're talking about things that aren't going to last long. But remember in Castaway when he, yes. when he finally makes fire and he has to keep the fire going all the time, yeah. right? It's hard to make fire if you don't have certain things, right. That's you know, right. any kind of thing. Um, and he even has a match, but what's he going to use for kindling? He can't just go grab this or grab that or get some newspaper. There's there's nothing. It would be impossible to do. So uh, it makes sense that that he uses the fire to help him, but not that the fire is there as a way to defend himself against the spider. So then that's when he he eventually climbs up the side of the box, Mm. gets to the top where the paint stir has been left with some paint on top. Right. And it's stuck. And that's when he's like, okay, I got to figure this out. So he's like trying to figure a way across. There's no way across this ravine. It's just a slat in a box, but it's now huge to him. He throws the pin across. He throws the grappling hook across and he starts walking out on the beam. Now, to me, if I'm on this beam, I'm running as fast as I can and just jumping because that's got to get something going there. Now, of course, he's inching his way out, seeing, and it starts to fall. And, again, it builds it. Now, it's stretching. Yeah, the paint the paint is starting to loosen. Yeah, right? And he jumps, um, and he's able to make it because he's getting pretty close. Now, to me, I would take a running jump and jump. Um, I mean, not everyone's Dwayne DeRock Johnson can do like he did in Skyscraper right. where he literally defied physics and made that <clears> jump, <throat> right? But he, he would, it's not that far a gap to make if you were jumping to try to get there as it is he's now falling and catches on and now he's got to pull himself out. it's
1: at least two body lengths when you see if you see the gap when you're looking at the scene him on the on the stick and the gap it's probably two body lengths right but it's again you know the scene i'm talking about in skyscraper there's no way you can make that jump even with
2: especially with only one leg uh which is what he had and this is where
1: this is where when i was talking about the the props they have the paint can. Yeah, huge. Is is well, no, but the paint can is got paint dripping on the side. It's a Martinson coffee can. Yeah, and then there's there's something uh, like a, a gypsum yeah. uh, thing on it. And again, it's all it's all weathered. Yeah. It's the, like if we were if we were doing a model, right, right. Yeah. You're not going to have pristine pieces that would not look right. And I same. agree. I agree. So he gets
2: across, and that's when he's going mean, to now he's across to there, and they, he uses the twine that's hanging down to climb up. Um, and that's when he discovers the cake. Now there's the piece of cake that's fallen off and the giant piece of cake that's sitting there. And he takes, he bites some of the, the small piece of cake falling off. And he goes to grab the big cake and he realizes that's what the spider web is attached to. Yeah. And you're like, okay, so the spider who's now on the ground doing whatever it's doing, right? Looking for crickets or whatever might be there to kind of eat. You're thinking like, it's coming back here. And that's the problem is that the spider is now coming back there. Now, Though the the cake had to have been sitting there for at least a few weeks, because when she put the cake down, I think Louise might have noticed a tarantula's web. Well, no, the, no,
1: the, the spider's web. No, but that you don't. When she puts she the puts the in, cake, okay, she yeah, puts, puts the spider. Down. Well, again, but that he might not have been there. No, no. What I'm saying is, it must have been there long enough for the spider to
2: have spun a web, because the web right. doesn't look brand new. It's a, it's it's an older yeah, web. Yeah. So. This must be weeks later. We don't know. I mean well, it's gotta be because well, he's no, no, but when she puts the cake there, he's not He's three foot six he's he's, he's thirty six inches. Thirty six yeah. inches. Right. So he's what I'm saying, but it's gotta be weeks later. Yeah. Because remember things like so that's why so he's so the cake's not soft either. It's hard. It's hard. Right? Because it's stale. Yeah. So that's when he discovers that he can go up to where the, the little hatch
1: is, right.
2: right? And he and he tries to offer the cake to the bird.
1: And that was and that, that's that's another critical scene because if you look at a, at, a, at a screen, uh, a window screen, they have little squares that mm-hmm. make up the entire screen. When he goes to, to up there with the piece of cake and, and he tries does. to offer it to the bird, it's seven. Se- it's seven square He's seven squares high. Okay, and that comes back later yeah. on. right.
2: So um, his thing is, he's now realized that he's got to now either he's got to kill the spider or he can get killed by the spider um, because there's no way that he's going to be able to survive. If the spider attacks him, so he you know takes food and goes back down to his
1: shelter. And he throws, he throws a, a all pieces of the cake down all, all onto the floor, right? And he climbs down. And he
2: climbs back down, and then that's when he's back in the uh, now he's in the um, matchbox. Matchbox, and the, the spider attacks him. And when the spider attacks him. You're like, okay, like the matchbox is not going to hold up to a tarantula, like a daddy long legs. You got a shot, like the tarantula is going to tear this box apart, you yeah. know, kind of thing. And that's when he's able to escape. But he doesn't have his weapons, right? They're in the they're in the the box. He he escapes, and that's when he's able to escape from the tarantula. And that's when he really I really got to kill this thing because if I don't kill it, it'll kill me
1: because there's just no other food,
2: and the tarantula is not going to give up.
1: Yeah. So I mean, the thing, is, and the, but there is the, there is a key scene with the you know he's in the he's in the box sleeping, and now you hear. No, no, that's after this. Yeah. Well, so that's after he kills the spider. No, that happens before yeah. the the. The uh, when when the, the the flood happens, that's be, that's before the uh, the spider the, the the last you know where, where he has to climb up again.
2: Right. No, but okay. So the spider's attacked. He's gone back to the box. Now.
1: He's gone back to the box. Right.
2: Yeah. And that's when the water happens. Yeah. The spider's right. already attacked. So he's back in the box, and that's when the water right. floods out. Right. And that's when uh, Luis they find the the basement's flooded. His brother comes down, um, and he actually cleans away the drain, which then sucks him. When again. It sucks him towards the drain. Now he's holding on to a pencil, right? And he's so small he can't see. It. But again, all the horse perspective of the shoes and all this stuff. This would all later be done again. Honey, the kids and all those other movies that did this, they all use the exact same gags that happen here. So of course, he he now needs to um, he now needs to kill the spider. And he realizes that if he when he finds the scissors, the scissors are way too big to be used as a weapon. But he thinks. If he can hook somehow hook the spider, he can push this uh, push the uh, scissors off the side and you know kill the spider that way. Like you know, take it off the edge of the thing with him, right? So he uses the the grappling hook, and he's going to fight the spider. Now the problem is, it, he's not. It's not like he has a gun. Like it's a it's a pin that he sharpened on the ground, right. and it's a, another pin with a hook. He gets the hook into the spider, and he gets it onto the scissors. And he starts pushing them, but now the spider's coming a lot quicker, right? right? And when they fall, they of course catch. Of course, the scissors catch, catch on the side, and now he's underneath the spider, and that's when you're looking up at the the mandibles and everything coming down on. And he runs the the uh, the pin through the spider, and and, the, and it's the fifties, but yet they show blood come because it would normally be you put it in, oh, it died, right? Blood's coming down I, his I arm, yeah, you know, kind of thing. And now he's killed the spider. By running this dude there, he's able to escape out from underneath it because the fighter could have landed on top and he could have been trapped, right? He could have died anyway, you know, kind of thing, right? It's so at this point though, and, and this this is this is what Universal was concerned about. At this point though, it's clear he's never getting out of there. It's clear he's still getting smaller and smaller because now the sun's starting to come up. So he walks up to the screen. That's what you were talking about. Yeah. Now he now he's only three
1: three squares.
2: Right? He's actually small enough to fit through three, the hole in the screen. He can walk through. Yeah. Right. And the problem is, this is where Universal did a test. In New York City, they did a test with this. Um, a test uh, uh, with the ending. And what the people said was, that they showed an ending with much more upbeat, where, magically, he's able to regrow to right size. Just out of nowhere. Just left-hand turn. Oh, everything's fine. His life goes back to normal. And people felt that it wasn't true to the story. And, the, and Jack Arnold and, obviously, Richard Matheson fought very hard to keep their actual ending. And the actual ending was kept, and then what happens? The movie debuts, and people's reaction was, "I wish the movie had a happy ending." Like, no, yeah. there, there can't be a happy ending here. There can't be the the ending is that he's now become at peace with who he is, and that he's now going to shrink to this. He, he's never going to shrink out of existence. No matter how big you are, you still exist if you believe that you are part of the of the world. And no matter how how big you are, and you know how tall you might be, if you don't believe you are important, you are not. And that's part of what he is. He starts to become aware of the idea of the infimum, the, the infinity, and the infinite. You know, kind of thing. like he's found that place where he will always mm-hmm. be. He will always exist. So this is this is the idea of the tortoise and the hare. If if the distance I cut, if I have a distance and I cut the distance in half, cut this in half, I'll never truly reach my end because I'm always half a half yeah. a distance away. Right. He'll never truly not exist. He'll just become half of what he was. And if half of what you are eventually becomes microscopic, well, it's then you're living in a different world. Now, there are not a whole lot of sequels ever made to movies, right? That's not a thing that's happened in the 50s, right? Not a lot of sequels. I mean, eventually we had Creature Block Black Lagoon things like that, right? But Universal thought, we can make a sequel. Now you're thinking, like, what the heck sequel do you make? Well, they asked Richard Matheson, do you think we could do a sequel? And he actually started writing. He has, uh, let me find it real quick. Uh, I mean, get the exact name of it. So, where was it here? Um, it was called, uh, what's the name of it? I can't find the name of it right now. Um, but the whole idea was that they were going to have a, a woman who, and it's not the incredible shrinking woman. It was called like the, the, whatever. Um, why can't I find the name of it? Um, anyway, so the whole point was they were going to write another story about, and it was going to be a woman who's really small, but guess the, guess the cure. And she actually, uh, it was the fantastic little girl. So a sequel, the fantastic little girl was penned by Matheson, never went to production. And the whole point was Scott would be in it also, but now he's in the microscopic world fighting these worms and mm-hmm. fighting. The, and it's going to be like completely fantastical now, because now he's living in a world that we've never seen. So it could be anything. And that was the crazy part. And they thought like that would really work, but they were worried with this ending that it was so down, but they wanted to show people he didn't die. And I think it's better the way it is. Not that, I mean, again, maybe the other movie would have been great, but I don't think we need to have someone else who's exposed and now she's exposed to the radiation and magically she now gets exposed to pesticides somehow also. And then she now starts shrinking and now they cure her and grow her back. Like, so what does that mean? So it makes you feel even worse. It's, it's the difference between this difference between spoiler alert, the end of the mist in the book and the end of the (laughs) Mist mist in the movie right? Because he ended up missing the movie, he kills them all, and what happens? Oh, everyone's there, you know? That's what I'm saying. Like, that's the difference. Yeah, the between army Yeah, the army's there and everything's yeah. fine. He didn't need to kill his family in the car.
1: Yeah, I mean, I thought, Sorry. The, I, I thought the ending here was, you know, you had the same thoughts. You know, now, he's going out there and he's, he's he's at peace of mind, but he has no idea what, what terrors are outside. Mm-hmm. I mean, think about a dust mite. I mean, yeah. the, that dust mite would be like a dinosaur to Right. Well, Right, and that's the whole thing.
2: Is that they were really trying to push that idea um, that well? What happens if um, you know? What happens if you're able to uh, you know uh, make a sequel and this is going to happen and he'll be fighting all these creatures? And it's like I think the thought was that they could make it look like he's fighting a bunch of monsters, but I don't think that movie makes a whole lot of sense in the vein of this film, right? right.
1: I mean, this, um, this is more cerebral than, uh, than than action, you know, in an action movie. I mean, yeah, it has it has. Scenes of of action in it with the the cat and the spider.
2: So, you're right. So, the script was also okay. Uh, the script featured Scott in a microscopic world where he encounters strange eel like creatures. The script was 43 pages long and described uh, as inferior by another author, uh, Bill Warren, compared to the original film, which I definitely would agree with. Uh, Matheson said that since the original film made a lot of money, quote unquote, he was unsure why the sequel was not developed past the script stage. So, he just started writing a script. Um, and actually all that the script is in its entirety was published in a book called unrealized dreams, which I have uh, It's all Richard Matheson stuff that was never finished or filmed or done anything with. Um, and then uh, where uh, what are, the reluctance to release the film. Okay. The reluctance to release the re-release the film for home video was because universal intelligence developed a pseudo sequel to the film. So it never was put out for a long time. So then what happens is, uh, when John Landis actually started uh, writing and directing The Incredible Shrinking Woman, which was canceled by Universal because um, the budget was too high. Um, and then later on, they made The Incredible Shrinking Woman uh, with uh, uh, Lily Tomlin. Lily right? Tomlin. Thank you. I couldn't think of her name. Um, and obviously, in that movie, th- it's bad. Like, I mean, bad. I'm not trying to be it's mean, but it's bad. It's bad. Uh, so, of course... Now uh, you have other things coming on, you know, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids and all this stuff that eventually came out of this. But there was not a whole lot of releases um, on home video for this. And, and, and that's the problem is that you couldn't see this movie. Now, we had this movie when we were younger. Uh, you, you had a copy of it, obviously, that we watched when we were kids. But there wasn't released in a whole lot of ways. And in fact, the, the, to see this movie for a long time until the, until the DVD eventually came out, so what happened was, in the LaserDisc came out in '78 and in '91. But who had a LaserDisc player in 1978? Right. Right? And who had one in '91? VHS didn't come out until 1992. On a, on you now, now, we all know there was cinema, cinema you know, cinema for cinema secrets or whatever, uh, sinister cinema Sinema. in the back of the what do you call magazines? You could always find certain movies. We had like Black like Scorpion and things like that. Right. Not the best copies, but you got copies, right? So it wasn't until '92, and then the DVD came out in 2006 as part of the box set, which is what both of us have. And then Arrow released the film on Blu-ray in 2017. And then there's also the the Spanish one, which is the only one that'll play in America. Right. The all-region, um, and which is like 30 bucks for yeah. a Blu-ray right now.
1: I mean, it's pristine. Um, I mean, it's, oh no, it's, it's great. It's a Blu-ray. It's it's, it's 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 Spanish and Portuguese, and then English is it, it's this is not not its first language. Yes. So, but it, but it plays fine, yeah. Um, so part of what happens is, I mean, again, um, a
2: lot of critics you know like the movie for what it was because, again, it's not a bunch of just giant monsters on the screen. Um, it's 57. See, if, if this was the mid 60s, you'd have had a lot of other things happen, but remember, you still had your B movies and stuff, but what did this lead to? So, um, obviously, um, there were studios producing similar ideas that kind of didn't have it. It's the Amazing Colossal Man, Attack of the 50 Foot Woman. Uh, War of the Colossal Beast. None of those movies can hold a candle to this story-wise or effects-wise or anything else. But those are truly B-movies. This is a B-movie because it's not. there's no A-list actors in it. It's not a B-movie because of any other reason. And again, at $700,000 to $800,000 as a budget, it's not small potatoes for the time, but it certainly wasn't going to be one of their major, major productions.
1: Yeah, and most of that budget went to the props.
2: Yes, and that's true. So, um whether imagine then actually loved this, he, he thought, it, um, uh, he, he, he didn't have, it didn't have the usual happy ending, which he liked on his, a lot of his stories don't have happy endings. Um, and he thought that that would made it unusual at the time and that people would remember it. And of course people did remember this movie, the incredible shrinking man, whether you've seen it or not, it's influenced stuff. Cause you know, things that this has been influenced over the years. It's one of those movies that at the time you're like, Oh, well, this is just like, and then you name 10 other movies that all came out 20, 30 years after it. So this is yeah. the beginning of it. This is the influence. The only movie where this kind of even fits in is another movie in the same set as Dr. Cyclops. Right, And which was 1938. Right. But in that one, they're able to come back and have a happy, happy ending. ending. Yeah. And that's why this has been so memorable. And Dr. Cyclops, is, he shrinks them, right? There's no, there's no coming back if he kills them at that point. But that's someone doing it on purpose, maliciously doing right. this. This is science trying to figure out why this accident happened. This accident did this to this man. He didn't do anything wrong. He didn't, you know, he wasn't uh, get exposed because he was in the wrong place at the wrong time. He didn't try to steal whatever. He, he's just a guy on a boat, and yeah. he just happened to be in the wrong place. Oh, and, you know, people will say, well, it's pretty convenient that he had that happen and then had, pesticides well but that's the whole thing is it couldn't like, the mist the mist wasn't the mist was the, the, the was radiation the, and and the and the other thing was the agent yeah right so what i'm saying is but the, now remember the difference is in in frankenstein he's created by electricity because electricity was the big thing right it's the term of the century like that's uh, electricity when, when modern when frankenstein when modern prometheus was written was like oh like it's not gaslight anymore so that was the right. next level when we have giant and monsters uh, no matter what the giant monster the gila monster or them or anything, it's all radiation right. testing right so here's radiation happening but we didn't do radiation the same way where well, radiation is making everything real big everything's getting bigger and bigger and bigger what happens the pesticide is uh, something that's going to revert it's, it's going to kill things off so it's actually killing his body down it's making him smaller using that idea again scientifically speaking none of this stuff you know hold right. any water yeah. but it makes sense when you look at it. You're not looking at this movie going, this is insane, this is fantastical, this is crazy. It all makes sense because it's laid out in a completely logical, scientific way that this could totally happen
1: to this poor man and he eventually could get smaller and smaller and smaller. So, um, folks, I, mean, I, I tell you this, and, and I, and I to, to me, in my opinion, that, that this is the best science fiction film of all time. It's a classic that is as effective today as it was sixty-five years ago, yeah. and it's actually in—it's—it's part—it's in the uh, uh, film, yeah, the, whatever you know, Congress, whatever kind of thing. And, it's and just it, hard. It's just a hard film to find.
2: Yes, well, because again, yeah, I think right. I think because Universal has made it harder to find. It's one of those movies. It's not like Universal, it's one of the ones they've kind of pumped out a lot of. Yeah. And I'm not sure what else might be involved there. Might it be Matheson's estate? Might it be some? I don't think so, but it could be any little thing that's holding the movie up. We talked about this with El Seed. We talked about this with other movies. Yeah. Where, why are these movies being held up? It could be any number of reasons. But I think this movie is held in the same regard as Invasion of the Body Snatchers. It's held in the same regard as The Day the Earth Stood Still. It stands, it's, think about movies there. Like, in The Day the Earth Stood Still, which is considered to be one of the greatest science fiction movies ever made, right? And because of, of the message it gives, message. right? This movie gives another a message that's not... A, like they understood still is, Hey, you better stop or you're going to kill everybody. Right. Kind of thing. It's, there's a message of with, this might have hope. This movie has no hope the whole way through until he finally realizes that. Yes. Even though I'm small, I still am something. I, I his it's important. So yes, it has a down ending quote unquote, because he doesn't become normal again and live his life and whatever. But it, it gives you the idea of like looking at someone going through depression, going through loss, going through
1: you know, uh, some kind of disease that for 1957 you didn't get in these kind of things. You have to remember this is this is one man with his with his own problem and it's just one problem. Nobody else has got this. It's not a it's not a worldwide pandemic. I think that's the difference though too, because some people have looked at like like Night of the Living
2: Dead in 68, right? You know kind of thing like, oh the dead have come on to the 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 ghouls who the zombies have come to represent um, the working class have come to right. represent. Every, I mean, anyone can put anything they want on the thing, right? Yeah. In this movie, there is no. Well, Scott, you know, Scott represents this. No, he represents uh, the the what was happening in the culture post World War II. What was occurring in America that got you know exacerbated in the '60s, ex- worse in the '70s, and became a problem that still exists today. It's it's when people started turning to their lives they didn't feel their lives had meaning they didn't feel whatever and that's when you started people turning to drugs and, and let's face it you know there are all kinds of movies in the 80s about people who are uh you know turning to drugs because they have nothing else or they don't feel fulfilled they don't feel anything and it, a lot of those things come born out of what the stuff we started seeing happening post-world war ii anyway and and i know people will like oh you know what you're talking about okay if you can you can look it up it's all part of history if you look at cinema. It starts
1: to show you those things. Joe okay, I lived it. No, no. I know that. I, I, I know. So I mean, no, I, I mean, to me, a critic is nothing more than a than a, than a voice for some for some paycheck. And uh, well, that, I mean, let's that, think
2: about it. I mean, in uh, Theater of Blood, he managed to kill them all, or almost all of them, well, just for I, being I, the critic. No, I but, know. I'm, 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 I make, I'm joking. Yeah. But well, well,
1: as I said, I, I wish this. I, I mean, I, I. I'm assuming that our listeners have seen this movie. But if there's a listener that hasn't seen this movie, what's that what's the cost of that 4 uh, that 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 four? 12 bucks?
2: like no, it's not, six, it's five movies. 12. So there's series one and series two. Um, this one is I want to say this is the monolith monsters, monster on the campus, uh, tarantula, and I'm trying to remember, I don't remember the other one in it, but like and obviously Kerbosh and good man. Right. Um, and it's like twelve bucks. Volume two is Deadly Mantis, uh, Cult of the Cobra. Right. Um, and, and and other ones, but literally, I think we've covered almost every movie in this set in these right. sets um, because they're so good. It's so worth the twelve dollars to get. I mean, I bought them when they came out and they were twenty bucks, and I went to Best Buy to buy them because you couldn't get these things on Amazon back in the day. And I was like, these are awesome, and that's what I watched it on. The copies are good. It's well worth the time. I mean, you know, kind of thing. Uh, it's it's it's. There's movies in here that. Uh, well, how you might feel about the monolith monsters or monster on the campus, or whatever, or even tarantula kind of thing. None of the movies in there are like, Oh my God, horrendous. None of these, none of these are, they saved right. Hitler's brain. Nothing's that. Yeah. Okay. Cause that's pretty bad. Um, kind of thing, right? It's, it's, they're, they're all quality movies. They're all things that, you know, kind of make sense in what you're watching. And if you enjoy B movies, it makes a lot of sense there too. So, Um, One of the things real quick, uh, Richard Matheson, actually, uh, back in the day, he talked about in Fantastique, which is a magazine you've all read, you know, here especially, how much he truly found it remarkable, the the special effects in the movie. He found that uh, Arnold was able to create a mood in the film that most directors could not do. Um, He felt that it was, um, you know, it was one of the, he felt it was one of the most, one of his best on film, what he best, what he had on the page. Because again, he's as the screenwriter. He's still not the director, you know. Right. And of course, it's in the National Film Industry as of two thousand, as of uh, tw- uh, two thousand nine. So, uh, folks, if you haven't seen *The Incredible Shrinking Man*, you need to go check it out. It is it is a as poignant now as it was back then, um, and it might actually be more poignant now in certain aspects than it was back then. Um, well worth your time and effort to check it out. So, um, and, and you have other stuff that are you?
1: No, that was uh, it. I mean, I just as I said, I just. If you haven't seen it, uh, I hope you can find it and uh, and 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 just just enjoy it. Yeah, I mean, this this movie. I saw this movie. I, I was probably nine or ten. I saw it with with my brother uh, on, a, on a Saturday Saturday morning show uh, where they would have four or five yep. movies that you'd go see, and it has stayed with me for my entire life. It as it as I said, it's one of it is one of my ten best favorite movies of all time. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, when you talk about that they had a down ending. There were other movies that came out that were that were, like on the beach. Okay. It's obvious that the, that the I mean the the, the the atomic bomb has already been dropped everywhere, and it's coming to you. And that's in a way, it's on the beaches. the 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 radiation is like what we what we're going through, what we've gone through with this with this COVID stuff. It's coming. You there's no you can't get away from it unless. You know, unless you let you run to Australia, right? That, well, and, and the thing is though too,
2: uh, on the beach was not a B movie. That was an A picture. Uh, no, a Gregory um, be, Peck, because yeah. it also had uh, you know a book and everything else like that. And right. I think that's part of the difference too. A pictures could have down endings uh, if they were based on a book yeah, with a down. Everybody
1: you know, knows. Everybody everyone knows what's going to
2: happen. Um, and again, and on the beach is a Gregory Peck movie. I mean, again, it's it's on. It's still on the beach, which is you know a, a, as a book and a movie, whatever but it still had to have a stars in it. So, um, you know, but again, the incredible shrinking man is often lumped in with the amazing colossal man. And like your tarantula and things like that are like kind of real B movie fodder, you know, kind of thing like drive in fodder. This is not a drive in movie. This is, this, this is the difference between invasion of the body snatchers and like the giant claw, like both were made about the same time. They're not the same movie, you know, kind of thing. And that's why I think this sits with the thing from another world and Invading the Body Snatchers, and uh, you know, The Day the Earth Stood Still, where they are on a different level. They're telling you more story. And that's not to say that you can't have a creature in the movie, you can't have a monster, you can't have a whatever, but the story is what's driving it. It's so much more story, and that's why those movies stay. And, and don't get me wrong, I absolutely love all those other movies I just talked about, sure. right? And a like, movie like Them, perfect example. Them has a killer story to it, right? But the effects are good. They don't show you the ants every single minute of it, like the ants' destruction and stuff, but the yeah. ants are there. But the story's so good. It's so engrossing. You get so into it. Why? Because it was done and shot well. And that's when you can appreciate movies that are shot well and done well and movies that, you know, are not shot and done well, yeah. no matter what the cost might be. That's so. right. All right, folks. So um, that about does it for The Incredible Shrinking Man. So uh, next up, Dad and I are going to hit some uh, listener feedback. Not today. This is going to be – this episode's already long enough. Um, we're going to do a whole episode. we got a a bunch of listener feedback we're going to get to. Um, you'll hear that at the end of the month. And then in, uh, uh, February, you know, we always like to put out a Valentine's day episode. So I was trying to find one where love was in the air and I said, let's do cult of the Cobra because there's a lot of love people like loving people in that movie. Um, yeah, not really, but, uh, um, but in, in the vein of the, of leech woman and, uh, um, uh, what is it? Um, snake, the snake woman? No, no 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 we, we did the, the, the wasp woman right then right? and, and the theme of the feeling of those type of movies well we did the leash woman a couple years ago in like uh you know countess not countess dracula um uh oh, the sequel i forgot his name now um but like we've done those and kind of thing so we're going to do cult of the cobra um for february but we're you'll hear us again at the end of the month when we talk about some listener feedback so all right folks so uh like i said go find incredible the incredible shrinking man um we hope your 2021 is off to a great start and hope this year is better for everybody than last um and like i said we'll be here back at the end of the month and we'll be with cult of the cobra in february so keep those cards and letters coming and keep watching the skies
0: this is tokyo once a city of six million people I'm a dedicated fan of all things Daikaiju, and I'd like to share that with all of you. Please check out Earth Destruction Directive at two com. Earth Destruction Directive, where we turn your Daikaiju dreams into city-smashing reality.
2: and search the hashtag The Art of Horror Collective as well as the new hashtag Bots, Bugs, Babes Podcast. I'm the only one using them. I'm also on Twitter at Jason Jackanetti, and you can visit my webpage at www.theartofhorrorcollective.wordpress.com. All movies, characters, stories, music, etc., are properties of their respective holders. This is a fan work, and any use of any property is purely for review discussion, entertainment. So don't sue me. I ain't got anything anyway.
0: There is no tomorrow. There is no tomorrow. There is no tomorrow. Will you stop?